The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Amen. You may be seated. Appreciate our worship team. I've just returned from a, uh, a journey that the Lord sent me on last week. Some of you are aware of that. Had the privilege of uh, going to the cradle of our nation back east to Virginia and was able to visit, visit uh, Jamestown. How many of you know what Jamestown is? It's one of the first settlements uh, settled in the early 1600s. And um, spent some time there and, and then also in Williamsburg, uh, Virginia, Colonial Williamsburg, and just had an amazing time as God spoke to us as we interceded for our nation. I was overwhelmed uh, on many levels as I was there. I got to see the baptismal font for, uh, I was going to say Sacagawea, but it's not Sacagawea, it's Pocahontas. There we go. And um, I mean, Sacagawea is Lewis and Clark. All right, how many of you know your history? All right, good. So just was moved by the different things that we saw there. One of the, that I, what we were really taken back was, by was the amazing sacrifice of our founding fathers for this great country. We are living in, in, uh, in, in the peace and blessing of that which has been purchased even by generations who have laid down their lives and sacrificed. And, you know, we're really not aware of that or we forget. We have a tendency to forget. Our country is in grave danger and difficulty. There is drug addiction and perversion, widespread. There is more fatherless children, motherless children, divorce, atrocities and abominations, according to the word of God, spreading across our nation like gangrene. And it's really rather overwhelming. Uh, if you open your eyes to look, I think frequently we have a tendency to be lulled to sleep or just have our little corner of happiness with our easy chair and our remote control while we settle in to watch, you know, the latest movie or whatever. But we were very moved by that. Our country is in, in need of help. Uh, we returned and um, came back and I'm a beekeeper. I've been keeping bees for, I think this is my third season or fourth, and I've got 10 hives, and um, occasionally I get stung. Beekeepers get stung occasionally. And uh, I usually get the majority of my stings right around this time of the year. And the reason is, is they have a whole bunch of honey in there, which is mine. Uh, they don't know that, though. They don't know that the honey belongs to me, and I am their master, and so I have to go and forcefully take dominion over my honeybees. And uh, it hasn't worked out so well in other years. This was better than most. Uh, I got my, my suit on, and I got my bee veil on, and I got my equipment together, and I went out to my 10 beehives, and I began to work on my bees. And I, I kept getting stung in the neck, uh, right here, in fact. And after about the sixth or seventh sting in the exact same spot, I realized I probably have a problem. But I knew it wasn't catastrophic because when it's a catastrophic problem, they fill my whole, and I've had that happen, and that's never fun. 
So I keep getting stung, and finally, after the fifth or sixth time, I'm thinking, I, I need to take a look at what's going on here, because I'm not, it's like, ah, oh! you know, anybody, anybody stung by a bee? Okay. So I, it really hurts, and, uh, and I can't, you know, I'm busy, I got gloves on, the stingers are staying in there and pumping away their little venom into my neck. So I think it was, it might have been after eight or nine stings. It was quite a few, but I was done. You know, did anybody ever get done? It's like, you know, we're not doing that anymore, right? So I got to the we're not doing that anymore stage and decided to walk away from my bees. I went up to my house. Everybody's securely locked inside my home as tens of thousands, and I'm not exaggerating, of bees are all over the place, very mad, very upset that I'm stealing all their honey. So I knocked on the door. I had my wife, she's like, oh my gosh, you know, I mean, she's looking at me. I said, there's a problem. I'm screaming through the, the sliding door. There's a problem with my bee veil. What's the problem? I said, I, I've got a lot of stingers here. And she looks, she goes, you have a problem. I go, I know. Yeah. <laughs> she says, it's too close to your skin. So they must be getting through it. So it was bent in. And so I was able to bend it out and pull my collar up and kind of fix it. We have a major epidemic in America. An epidemic in America. Back to my bee story, I'm lying in bed with my throat beginning to close from all the bee stings. And I was thankful that I knew downstairs I had what's called an EpiPen. Anybody know what an EpiPen is? It's the remedy for a bee sting and, and other things. So for my reaction would be helped with the EpiPen if my throat started to close, I can go downstairs and shoot myself with the stuff, it'll be okay. God has a remedy for our country. Stand up on your feet. Take your Bibles, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter seven. Yeah, you can lock the doors now. Now is when you would unlock the door, okay. Again, I'm just kidding. Now, the FBI thing, I was not kidding. Amen. All right. We believe in protecting our children, and, and we have lots of safeguards for doing that. And, amen. Second Chronicles 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face... And turn from their wicked ways. Everybody say wicked ways. Wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin. And heal their land. Turn to the second passage that we're going to look at. Found 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Starting in verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. He said, well, pastor, you just wiped out the whole church. Well, that's why we have the next verse. Look at verse 11. And that is what some of you were, or in the New King James, and such were some of you. I won't ask you to raise your hand. But all of us have come out of something or another. And that's what some of you were. But you were washed. Make sure you put this verse up. Come on, read this with me. 
and such were some of you. Come on, read it out loud. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you're going to do. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. The United States has faced many, many, many challenges throughout its tumultuous history. It's been a land that's been blessed for certain. However, I am concerned, even like the bee veil in my bee experience over this past week, that the wall or the veil of which keeps evil out of our country is broken down and we are in grave danger. Did you say grave danger? I said grave danger. Many challenges we face throughout the years, philosophical challenges like Nazism and communism, if you know your history. Theological challenges like universalism and neo-Calvinism, I think, is probably the newest one. The sloppy grace message that you can just come to church, receive Jesus, and just do whatever you want to. That's not true. That's not what real grace is. There's times when our country has gone awry, like with slavery. Slavery was wrong. Abraham Lincoln said that he believed that the Civil War was God's judgment on America for slavery. It certainly could be true. And you'll read that in the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. There's times when we faced enemies that were seemingly insurmountable. Enemies from without and enemies from within. Yet time and again, the Lord would be gracious to us and intervene. And if you study history, you'll find that he would intervene when his people would pray. Even in World War I, World War II, there's stories about how intercessors would pray and the Battle of Normandy and on and on and on, how God would intervene using people and raise up revivalists and outpourings to intervene for our nation. On August 19th, you will either vote or not vote, but it's the primary. Is that right? I got the date right, August 19th. You need to register to vote. Now, if you're not registered to vote, I don't think it's too late. Is that right, Edna? It is too late to vote, so you just get to repent and make sure you register next time. And then you, you, you need to vote. We need to vote. Now, you say, what's so important about voting? We need a radical change in leadership in our country. Now, I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that. It's not about color. It's about truth. It's about righteousness. And it's not about whether you're a Republican or Democrat or Libertarian. It's, as a believer, you're obligated to vote and to do the right thing according to Scripture. That's what it's about. And at every election cycle is crucial because it allows for a time when we can vote to bring correction and change in the direction of our country. We're entering into another cycle of that. And I encourage you to do something. Write letters, get involved, vote, pray, believe. Because I believe this. I believe America can be healed. America needs an EpiPen from heaven. I'll tell you what the EpiPen from heaven is. It's if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways. Wicked ways? I'm a Christian, Pastor. Christian is as Christian does. So what you do is actually what should define you. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying to the church in Corinth. Now let's, let's look at our text here. Lest I get ahead of myself. Second Chronicles 7. 
The context is the dedication of the temple. The temple's been built. Solomon is, is the king. He's dedicated the, dedicated the temple. And the Lord appears to Solomon, and we get a glimpse of what God says. And this message I actually preached last Wednesday, but this morning, just before the second service, we're now in our third, God interrupted me and said, you will preach that message again to the second and third service. Yet make some changes, and I've made some of those changes. And I think it's just that important to the heart of God that you hear what this message has to say. It's not an easy word. It's certainly not an ear-tickling word. Guaranteed, you'll be convicted at some point during this message. If you're not, you might be seared. I certainly am. God wants to touch this nation, and it's going to call the church, even today, to a, a place of repentance and prayer so that we can see the EpiPen brought into our, our nation once again and to see a great revival ensue. Dedication of the temple, and the Lord appears to Solomon, and he gives the remedy for a nation that's under judgment. Verse 13 of 2 Chronicles 7 reads this. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, and he goes on to say, if my people who are called by my name. In other words, when there is great difficulty and, and even judgment that's upon the land, if God's people will turn from their wicked ways and pray, then he'll hear from heaven, he'll forgive our sin, and he'll heal our land. Whatever the, whatever the judgment is, the remedy is repentance. And the second passage we read is a fascinating one where Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church has a number of problems, a number of major problems. And the biggest problem is deception. Now, we, we said this before, you know, deception is, uh, it's challenging when you're deceived because you don't know that you are, hence the word deception. So when you're deceived, you don't know that you are. And you think everything's okay, but actually, you could be deceived. Is it possible? Hello? Is it possible this morning, this afternoon, or wherever you are in the world, that you could be deceived? You should say yes. It's absolutely possible. The Apostle Paul makes it clear that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God, and he basically defines what wicked is. And his definition of wicked <laughs> is significantly different than what is popular in our culture today. People were doing things in the Corinthian churches that just thought was okay. The Apostle Paul brings correction. There's one, there's one young man who's sleeping with his father's wife, so that would be his stepmother. You gotta love scripture, it just says it. Just comes out and punches you right in the face. It's awesome. Right, like, hit me again, Lord. Somebody say, well, man wrote that. Man wrote that. I'm not going to believe that. Man wrote that. What man would condemn himself? Who would do that? Yeah, man wrote it under the inspiration of the Spirit of God as he moved him along. The Apostle Paul, when, in fact, when you read all of the epistles, read them like listening to a one-sided telephone conversation. I've said it many times before, but it's just a great way when you read through the epistles, the letters in Scripture, read them so to understand what, why would he be saying the wicked will not hurt? Because simply put, those in the Corinthian church are doing the very things that he names and he makes this list. They're doing those very things, but believing 
that they're still going to heaven. And he's saying, hey, hey, hello. Don't make the mistake to think that if you're fornicating, if you're in adultery, if you're living a homosexual lifestyle, if you're, if you're, an, adul- if you're an adulterer, if you're an idolater, a, a slander. I mean, he just rips through. And it's like, whoa. And the people in the Corinthian church had to be like, uh, I'm doing some of those things. And he's saying, stop. Because you won't go to heaven that way. You will not make it to heaven. Now, this is not a popular message, and I might say it's not preached all over the place. It's not the kind that just rallies people to scream and shout. Oh, yeah, preach on homosexuality, Pastor. Bring it. I don't know, it's like taboo topic. And he makes it clear that they won't inherit the kingdom, and it's... Really, much the same today. There's people living however they want to and thinking it's okay. Well, I'm here to give you a newsflash from the Word of God. It's not. And that's what some of you were. Yeah, we were all messed up. Maybe some more than others. As I was in Williamsburg, we went to get... Uh, some Haagen-Dazs ice cream. And uh, Haagen-Dazs and French roast coffee are always in the will of God, I think. I just love Haagen-Dazs ice cream. Amen. Chocolate would be the third thing I'd put with that. Amen. That's revival for me, for my taste buds anyway. Praise God. As we were there, we saw um, two ladies that were clearly uh, living a lesbian lifestyle. And they were wearing uh, shirts that were proclaiming the gospel with their denomination, and I'll just not say the denomination, but there's denominations that have gone apostate, meaning they've turned from truth and had pressure from, from now listen, I'm, we're not against homosexuals. We love all people. And, and, and I have dear friends that have been delivered from, from that. It's just sin. It is the sin that takes place on the inside of your body. You know, sexual sin is one of the biggest problems we have in America. So I, I'm... I'm not against homosexuals. It's sin. It's, it's, that's all. And we're to love people. You don't treat them, as my brother said to me before this service, you don't treat them like they have leprosy, for God's sake. But I'm, I'm not going to be controlled by somebody calling me a homophobe either. I'm going to preach the gospel, man. I don't care how the chips fall. Amen. It's just, it's truth. Come on, liar, liars go to hell. Stealers, stealing, thieves go to hell. That's what the Bible says. Now, hell's not created for you. It's not created for me. Heaven was. But we have to come under the grace of God and repentance and the blood of Jesus. Amen. You don't just get to go there because you look pretty today. And you do, by the way. You all look quite handsome and pretty today. Paul says to them, you're deceived. Because if you've met Jesus, he changes you. The apostle Paul lists evil behavior. And he makes it clear basically there that We define ourselves by what we do. I said this to the offense of some. The Christian is as Christian does. So, if you call yourself a Christian, but you live something other than Christ-like, because this is what Christian means, Christian means Christ-like, but you call yourself a Christian and live something other than Christ-like, now granted, we're all a work in progress. I'm so glad he's not done with me. Amen. I'm glad he's not done with you either. He's not done with us. He's changing us. He loves us so much he receives us the way that we are. But he also loves us so much he refuses to leave us that way. 
and he'll purge us, he'll cleanse us, he'll deliver us. There are curses, there are bondages. They can be broken, you can be changed. Verse 11 of, uh, of 2 Corinthians, is it 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians? Bring that text up, thank you. And such were some of you, 1 Corinthians 6, thank you. But you were washed. So he's basically saying, hey, you, you, such were some of you, many of you were messed up in all of those things that they listed. But he washed you and he cleansed you. You, you can't separate the way that you live by what you believe. The what you believe is the way that you're living. And to finish this statement, if you call yourself a Christian but live in a way that is not Christ-like, you ought to change your name. And as you boil it all down, it comes down to selfishness. And he begins with sexual sin. And here, um, look with me, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. And do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. Um, we'll, we'll stop there for a second. The NIV says it this way. Do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor greedy, and it goes on. There's two words there in the Greek for homosexuality. One is active homosexuality, and one is passive. Now, I'm not sure what passive is. Um, uh, but not long ago, I saw some, I saw some brothers uh, messing around, and... Uh, and I think they were mocking. And, you know, I, I don't think it was meant to be evil per se. But I, but I think it is perhaps passive homosexuality. So this ought to correct that. Um, <laughs> maybe you've seen it before. They come up and go, hey, what's up? And they lisp and, and, and mess around like that. That's pass I think that's passive homosexuality. Well, you guys look really encouraged today. Praise God. <laughs> Obviously, you know what active is. I'm not going to get into defining or defining this too much. But he, he talks about uh, he talks about that sexual sin, adultery, uh, fornication. Somebody don't know what, what I had this one dear brother said to me. Hey, pastor, what's fornication? I don't know what fornication is, but I know what fornication. Fornication is sex outside of marriage. Okay, adultery is actually sleeping sleeping with somebody who's married. Those are the definitions biblically. So he, he goes on to list other acts, thieves, greedy, drunkards. I'm, I'm very thankful that he doesn't end there because it gives us great hope. It gives us great hope that you can be changed. That's what some of you were. Come on, somebody say, praise the Lord. You say, well, pastor, what in God's name do these two passages have to do with me? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked. And in light of the, the elections as well. These two passages help us today to face the days that are ahead and to vote rightly. It helps us to look at your notes with me. It helps us to know what it means to turn from our wicked ways. How many of you didn't know what wicked, how many, we say wicked, wicked. What's wicked? That's a beer, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is a beer, wicked ale, something like that. But I mean, really, what is wicked? Well, I, I just defined it pretty good. I mean, we could go on more and more. It's good to know what wickedness is because how do you turn from something you don't know what's there? Those ladies we saw at the haagen place, I truly, honestly believe that they love the Lord. I mean, you, you wouldn't be wearing the shirts that they were wearing, 
But at the same time, in their understanding, there's deception, thinking that they can just do whatever they want to, and that it would be okay with God. You, you, can't, you can't read one section of the Bible and then rip out the other. I mean, there are some sections I don't care for too much. They're really convicting. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? How do we, how do we know to, what to turn from if we don't know what the evil is? The number one sin, now this is arguably the number one sin in America. Which is what I believe the number one sin in America is. Arguably, it could be mammon. We could argue that. I've preached on it before. But on this trip, we're moved by what we see in a tremendous amount of sexual sin. Unbelievable amount of perversion. Unbelievable amount of sexual sin. Really. It's not just in Alaska. It's everywhere I travel in this country. And it is pervade through the internet, through, through the Android, iPhone, smartphone, tablets, whatever. I mean, it's pushed all over the place. They believe the number one sin in America is sexual sin, and we've moved away from God's plan for sex. Now, I will try to move through this as quickly as I'm possible because some of you are just going to get nervous. Children's churches upstairs. God created sex. I'm going to have to step off from behind the pulpit. Come on, Jesus. We might have revival right now. Praise God. Some of you never heard a message about sex in, in church. Well, unless you don't hear it here, where are you going to hear it? On the radio when nobody's looking at you? Okay, well, that could be good. But we ought to know that God created. It's his idea. And there's three reasons. Everybody say three reasons. <laughs> I, I wish sometimes I could take pictures of people's faces when I preach. Can, can we maybe hook up like a little hidden, you know, a little GoPro? I should wear a GoPro and preach really convicting messages and see what happens. We should hook that up. It'd be, it'd be a people like, hallelujah, preach. But really inside they're like, shut up. Anyway, three reasons for sex. Everybody say three reasons. Number one, for procreation, children. And this is not an order hierarchy or anything like that. But how many of you know, if there wasn't, there wasn't sex and you wouldn't, you wouldn't be here. Okay. Nobody came from a test tube here. I'm pretty sure. All right. Nobody evolved from an ape. I mean, maybe you did. I didn't. Amen. All right. Right. So, so sex is God's idea. One for one procreation. Everybody say procreation. The second thing is pleasure. Everybody say pleasure. All right. Now that's really freaked some people out. The epicenter, by the way, of pleasure is the throne room. At the right hand, at your right hand is pleasures forevermore. The psalmist said, God is the author of pleasure. It's been perverted by the enemy. Okay. How, is, how are you going to be fruitful and multiply the earth if it's a painful, horrible experience? I don't think man would be into that. Well, let's get tormented again. I just... I just don't think, you know, I, you know, knowing mankind, God knows mankind. I just don't think mankind would be like, yeah, hurt me. No, I, I, that's weird. So, so pleasure is another thing. Now, all of it, all of it is to be in the covering. Everybody say covering. Covering the context of covenant relationship. That means till death do us part. I'm sorry, I have to define it. Between a man and a woman. It's called marriage. 
See, you're so special, so significant that that act, which takes place in the spirit, or it happens physically, but it also takes place in your spirit. No longer two, but they should become one flesh. Literally, when a husband and wife get together intimately, it, there is a oneness in the spirit. Now, here's what some people don't understand because they're deceived. They think they can go out and do whatever they want with whoever they want to, and it's not really going to, it's my life, I can do what I want to, it's my body. And, and the Corinthian church is saying that. And that's why the apostle Paul said, you say that the food is for the stomach and the stomach's for the food. They're basically saying, look, I've got organs, I can do what I want with them. And the apostle Paul saying, man, your life is not your own. Your life does not even belong, your body doesn't belong to you. And your body is for holiness. And it is a holy act, but it's not holy unless it's under the covenant of marriage. So people, because America is deceived and not knowing that truth, and so they're out promiscuous all over the place. Psychologists have proven that those who've lived a promiscuous lifestyle are psychologically affected, and many, many of them are psychotic or with multiple personalities. You know why? There's quite a few people in there. Because they've been with a bunch of people. Now listen, I didn't fall off a turnip truck, and I wasn't raised in some Christian household and just walked on water the second I came out the womb. I understand what it is to be in bondage. I understand what it is to be yoked. I understand what it is to be afflicted. I understand what it is to be wicked. And I understand what it is to be free. I understand what it is to be washed. I understand what it is to be delivered. And so I stand in a place that I hope and pray none of our children would stand, and I hope that they would stand in a place of never having experienced any of that. But that's what some of us were. And if you've lived a life of promiscuity or are doing it even now, then you need to, you need to cut off those ties. You need to separate yourself from that. And they've shown and proven even that those who lose their virginity outside of marriage and live that kind of a lifestyle are frozen in their emotions from, from the day that they do it. And that's why you'll find 40-year-olds act like 15-year-olds. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching it. Well, today in America, sex has become recreation and manipulation. And uh, I didn't give you the other reasons for sex, did I? Procreation, pleasure, let's not stop there. The third one's very important. It's called oneness. Everybody say oneness. The act of a husband and wife coming together in union like that is an act of oneness where two become one. It is a spiritual act. In fact, sex, the Bible says, it's the only sin that takes place inside the body. Oh, it says in another place, will, will, a man unite him, will, it, will a man unite Christ with a prostitute? See, he's talking about somebody who's saved and blood-washed, being a fornicator and adulterer, uniting Christ with that. Now, think about that. All right. Bump the person next to you and say, hold on, it's going to get better. Go ahead. Bump your body. Praise God. Say, woo, hurry up, pastor. Praise the Lord. 
oneness. It is the greatest act of spiritual warfare you can do as a husband and wife. And I would say as a husband and wife, if your, if your life, uh, if your intimate life is non-existent, you need counseling, you need healing, and you need to get free. You say, why is that? Because it's very important for your husband, very important for you, very important for your wife, that you have a healthy relationship in that area. It's absolutely created by God. It's not dirty. It's a beautiful thing. And it's inside the covenant of marriage. Outside the covenant takes you straight to hell. So let's move on to the next, let's move on to the next point. Uh, the, 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 the tragedy, by the way, of, of the uh, America sliding into the degradation of sexual sin and idolatry is that it destroys lives. It destroys lives. And it starts a fire. Fallen human nature. Anyway, we all have areas where we need to deal with, but we need to learn to control our passions. When you come to Jesus, your past sins are forgiven. And then he puts within you the Holy Spirit that will help you to restrain and resist evil. You need the Holy Spirit. All right, look at three. We even have been, uh, there's even been given sexual sin, has been given civil rights in different places. In California, I'm just, bear with me a second. In California, they have outlawed reparative therapy. How many of you know what that is? Reparative therapy is therapy that brings people who are struggling with homosexuality into healing and deliverance. So when they come out the other side, they're healed and whole. And they've outlawed it in California. So that means somebody who lives in California wants to get healed from homosexuality. They can't get it there. The tragedy of our, our nation continuing along this path. Now pay close attention as I can bring this to conclusion. There is at work the spirit of the Antichrist. There are things that are shaping up in the world that are far darker than any of us know. And if the veil would be peeled back, Oh, you'd live on fire for God. Oh, you'd just be on fire. We'd be probably horrified. I'm so thankful that, that there is a veil there. But the tragedy in our nation, if we continue doing what we're doing, is there'll be a lo loss of religious freedom at best. There'll be a loss of religious freedom. And there will be religious persecution. You say, I don't believe that. Bunch of naysaying Christians. I don't believe that person. You think everybody's after you. Oh, this is history. Ecclesiastes says that which has been will be again. So let me just paint the picture for you. Let me give you a little bit of history. And before I do that, if our government declares that something is right or legal, but that thing is completely against what we believe from Scripture, we have a conflict. Okay, so, so there's a major conflict, for instance, with homosexual marriage. It's like an oxymoron. I mean, what is that? What, how can you even put the two words together? there's no such thing. It's not, that's not what marriage is. So I don't know how you call it. I mean, you're redefining marriage. Okay, we love the people again, but you can't legalize and call what's right when it's wrong in scripture. Humanitas is the statement used in France for man is the center of all things. And that's what's kind of happening in our nation, that man is the center of all things because we can make decisions we know what's right or wrong, and, and we can declare what's right. I mean, no matter how much we vote, we have determined the speed limit outside here on the, on the road. Okay, we can determine laws like that. You cannot determine somebody's sex. Oh, get this. 
let this just freak you out for a second, just in case you're not listening. They are now saying, listen to me very closely. Everybody listening? You online, listen up. Hey. They're now saying this, that when a baby is born in some states, they are no longer allowed to say, it's a boy or it's a girl. Do you know why? Because advocacy groups have so pushed that just because somebody has particular sex organs, that does not determine whether they're a girl or a boy. Oh, snap. You see, and, and, and when, you, when you begin to, you see the onslaught. The church has been pushed aside and no longer the church is the center of the community. Now banks and, and Costco's are the center of our community. And, and no longer is the church in a place of influence, but it's got to change. It's got to change. We've got to stand up. We've got to declare. Take the 501c3. Jam it. Do whatever you want with it. I don't need it. I'm going to preach the truth. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to shut up. We need to declare the truth in love. In love. Not treating people like they're lepers. Amen? Had somebody say, man, you preach messages like that, you're going to shrink the church. Well, shrink it. You don't like it? Yeah, go talk to God about it, man. I'm just preaching the word. That's all I'm doing. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, bump your neighbor and say, isn't this fun? Aren't you glad you came to church this afternoon? Come on. So the same situation of government determining what's right and wrong and religious freedom and liberties took place in the early, early, in the early church. Christianity was protected in the first 30 years of Christianity after Jesus' death and resurrection was protected under Roman law. It was a legal religion, and that's why it was protected. And it was really considered a sect of Judaism. And then, then what happened is Nero came, who had a mistress, and her mistress, his mistress decided, well, actually, he burned a whole portion of the city because he wanted to redesign it. And when he burned a whole portion of the city, there was massive upset. And his mistress said, you know something, Nero? You can just blame these Christians because they're really not Jews. They're different than Jews. And Nero said, good idea. And they blamed the Christians for the fire and made Christians basically illegal. And then basically from 64 AD to 313 AD to the Edict of Milan, Christianity was illegal. And so they would persecute Christians. That's a long time. 64 AD, do the math. I mean, that's, that's like longer than we are a nation. I mean, that's a long time. Persecuted church. And they would, they would mar them, maul them, hack off their limbs. When you had the Edict of, of Milan in, in 313, you had bishops and people traveling to come to that that were... Many of them had no arms. Some of them had no eyes. Their, their tongues were cut out. I mean, serious persecution as they came in, not rejecting the Lord. And it's then that they made Christianity legal once again. How could that happen? Well, it can happen. And we're moving that direction. See, the, 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 the liberal deceived, confused population that doesn't believe in the word of God, pushing their agenda is really being driven by an antichrist spirit. 
so what are we, what are we going to do about that? Are we just going to like, oh, wave white flag and hope Jesus comes back soon? The key to healing America is the church. Oh, I, I can't miss number five. All of us need to repent. We all must repent. And the key to healing of America is the church. If my people who are called by my name, and historically this is true, historically it's been the church that stood up at times of our nation and in other nations where things were gone awry or things had gone wrong and they stood up and declared and proclaimed the truth of the gospel. Most of our founding fathers, they, they were all persecuted. Those who signed the Declaration of Independence, you know why they didn't want to sign so big? That's why you put your John Hancock right there. How many of you know that expression? Just put your, because John Hancock signed that thing as big as life. In other words, he's saying, yeah, I signed this. I believe in it. And if you want to try to hunt me down, go right ahead, because I'm not going to hide. This is righteous. I'm doing it. John Hancock. And you look at some of the other signatures like micro, the micro signature. Why? Because they knew when they signed their name on that thing, it was all over for them, their fortunes, their family. They'd be hunted down and killed. And nearly every one of them was. If the church was dependent upon you and how you lived, was dependent upon me and how I lived, how I prayed, how I gave, how I talk, how would it be? We need an EpiPen. And the EpiPen is if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves turn from their wicked ways. Then he will heal our land. We must not allow our light to dim. Live for God. Write letters. Send emails. Do something. Get involved. He's got a phone and a pen. I got one too. Use it. Stand up. Stand up, church. Oh, symbolically, go ahead with the same thing happened in the last service. You can, you can go ahead and stand up. I'm going to stand up symbolically. Yeah, I'm going to stand up. You want to stand up and be counted for Christ? He said, I'll die for him. How about live for him? If the moment comes to die for him, then really any, no one of us will really know whether we can give the gift of martyrdom, the gift you give once. You won't know until somebody's there with a revolver or whatever. A lot of people say they can die for them. Can you live for them? How about using your pen, using your phone, and using your email? Hello. Let's humble ourselves and pray. We must proclaim and receive personally all that Christ has done for us. You don't have to be bound anymore. You don't have to be addicted anymore. You don't have to be afflicted anymore. You don't have to be depressed anymore. You don't have to be lost in perversion anymore. You don't have to lie on your bed at night feeling dirty. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you know what that feels like. You have to lie on your bed at night feeling tormented. Visions of images of things that you saw on the internet. There's a better life. There's a better life. It's called the life abundantly that Jesus purchased for you. You were made in his image, made in his likeness. Not for the filth 
All of that stuff doesn't satisfy. I don't know where you've come from or what you've come out of. I've tried to stuff all that stuff in my heart. None of it worked. None of it worked. It all left me just wounded, and bruised, and messed up and weeping, and lost, left for dead. Oh, but when he found me, and I asked him to come into my life, he changed. He washed me. That's what some of you were, but you were sanctified. You were washed. You were cleansed. <laughs> I'll just preach myself happy right there. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Don't play church. Don't do it. If you're playing church and you come to this house, I'll make sure you're uncomfortable. That's my job. It's not religion that America needs. America needs born again, blood washed, bold, spirit filled believers that'll say no. When no needs to be said, that'll stand when we need to stand. And not let some bully, no matter what his office, roll us over. It's atrocious, the things that are happening. To stand with Israel. We need to pray for Israel right now. Every day, pray for Israel. Every day. Hey, y'all listening? Every day you need to pray for Israel. I mean, we're on the edge of a third world war. Some of you are like, I just, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. We're on the edge of a third world war and people just whistling Dixie while they go over Niagara Falls. Pray. Humble yourself. Look, right now, you're here. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Those online or listening by podcast or YouTube. If you're not right with God and you know that you're categorized in the list of wrongdoing that we read. If you're not right with God and you've been living that way, maybe you were deceived, but you know now I've just told you the truth, so you're responsible. And you don't want to live that way anymore. You want to be washed. Can you put that scripture up again? You want to be cleansed. Corinthians. That's what some of you were, but you were washed. Maybe you've never been washed. Time to get washed today. Some of you need a blood bath. Amen. And the Holy Ghost. The blood of Jesus still flows from Calvary right now. You see, what we've done is so wrong, so evil that somebody needed to die. But not just anybody, somebody who was sinless. His name is Jesus. That's what it's all about. If you could earn heaven, then you could just act right from this point on. Then Jesus never had to come and die. But that's not the case. He had to come. He had to die in your place and in mine. You were washed. You were sanctified. That means to be set apart. You were justified. The word justified means just as if you never sinned. In the name of the Lord Jesus. If that's not happened for you, don't you leave this building without making it happen right now. It's an act of your will. If you've never given your heart to Jesus or you want to make a recommitment because you realize you've been walking in some deception, every head bowed, every eye closed, that's you. You say, that's me, Pastor. I need to get right with God. For the first time, slip your hand up right now. Right now, you're going to get right with God. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Praise God. God bless you. You want to recommit your life. Raise your hand high. Don't be ashamed. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Praise God. Anybody else? God bless you. All right, you're serious. No messing around. God says this. Here's what the Lord said. He said, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you. But if you deny me, I'll deny you. Now, I never want to embarrass anybody 
our role is to release you into the blessings of God. But if you lifted your hand and you're serious, meet me right here. We're all gonna pray. Come right now. Come on, come. Come on, come out from your seat. Come on, come. Come right now. Don't let anybody hold you back. Come on. Come on, give your heart to Jesus. Awesome. Come on, come. Hallelujah. It's a new day. Let's start new. Let's start afresh. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I give you my heart. Come right now. That's you. online everybody up front this is a big deal only takes about 15 seconds miraculously but we're gonna repent come on some of you you realize you need to repent maybe you're up here maybe you're not you need to repent for your shortcomings but we're gonna give our lives to Jesus here in the front amen gonna read a recommitment or for the first time now pray this right out loud you say out loud yeah out loud you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth out loud say it with me say dear Jesus Come on, all across this place, those online, those up front, say, Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin, for all of my wickedness. I'm sorry. Wash me, cleanse me, sanctify me, make me new. Come to live in my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Lift your hands as a sign of surrender. That's all. Just a sign of surrender. Holy Spirit, I pray now. Fill. Touch. Break every bondage. Break every curse. Fill your people now with your Holy Spirit. Just let them touch you. Holy Spirit, touch. Baptize them afresh in your spirit. A hatred for sin. A boldness. A hunger for the Word. A hunger for the things of God. Pastor Alex, would you lead them out into the, the lobby? We'll need those clipboards if you would. Would you just take a moment? We're going to close. Would you all just head right down the aisle? We've got a gift for you. Follow Pastor Alex. Pastor Alex, would you wave at us? Go right ahead, guys. Mike, if you'd help out there. Would you put your hands together for these guys? 
They'll be right back. They're going to come right back in in just a moment. We're going to help them. Come on, somebody give it up for all these wonderful people. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. My leaders, if you'd go and help, please, Carol, different ones, you know, all who you are. Let me read this to you as we bring this service to conclusion. Oh, we've got communion, don't we? Y'all all right? Everybody okay? All right. Let me read this to you. If you go ahead and close that door right there for me. Thank you. This is a rendition of a poem called Discuss in the Dark. It's written in 1905, and it reads, Suppose that a great commotion arises in the street about something, let's say, a lamppost, which many influential persons desire to pull down. A pastor, who in the spirit of Christianity is approached upon the matter, he begins to say in the arid manner of a schoolman, let us first of all consider, my brethren, the value of life. If life be in itself good, then at this point, he is knocked down and all the people make a rush for the lamppost. The lamppost is down in 10 minutes. They all go about congratulating each other on their unmedieval practicality. But as things go on, they don't work out so easily. Some people have pulled down the lamppost because they wanted electric light. Some because they wanted darkness because their deeds were evil. Some thought it not enough of a lamppost. Some too much of a lamppost. Some acted because they wanted to smash municipal machinery. Some because they wanted to smash something. There is a war in the night and no man knows whom he strikes. So gradually, inevitably, today, tomorrow, or the next day, there comes back the conviction that the pastor was right after all. And that all depends on what is the philosophy of light. Only what might be discussed under the gas lamp of God's word. We must now discuss in the dark. We are at a crucial point in America. Wake yourself from your slumber. Get out your phone. Get out your pen. Send emails. Pray. Stand up. Take action. Or we'll be having discussions in the dark. Amen. Take someone by the hand. Aren't you glad you came this afternoon? Strong word today. Much needed. I would to God it would go all over America. Father, thank you for what you've done today in these three services and the grace of God that you've given us to serve and to be here as you've brought people from all over to hear the word of the Lord and we'll not be negligent in hearing it we will stand living a life worthy of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus and forgetting that which lies behind Lord we commit 
to press on to the high calling, to fulfill the mandate. For the love of Christ compels us that we would hold out the word of life, the word of truth, living a standard before you, before your people, saying no when no needs to be said, saying yes when yes needs to be said, declaring this is right and, and this is wrong with love, compassion, and fortitude, spiritual fortitude. Give us strength of character. Holy Spirit, enable us to be real Christians, not whimsical religious people, only Christian by name. No, help us to live a life like you lived. For it's this reason that you've left us here to be your ambassadors, to be your ministers of reconciliation, to be outposts of heaven everywhere we go. And if it means death, so be it. But let the kingdom of God come with power and authority in our lives, in our community, in our nation, and in the nations of the world. Bless your people, cause your face to shine upon them, lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them, keep them, give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, I hope to see you tonight. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.